Hello and welcome. You're listening to It's a Groom's Life with Carly O'Brien. Hello everyone and welcome to a new episode of It's a Groom's Life. So today with me I have Jessica Thatcher who's going to tell us all about her and her businesses and what she does. So hi Jessica, how are you doing? Hi, I'm very well thanks. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for your time and coming on to the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It's exciting. My first one. <laughs> okay. So would you mind um, like introducing yourself and tell us more about um, what you do and what your businesses are? Uh, yeah, sure. So uh, my name's Jessica Thatcher and um, I live near Berkhamstead in Hertfordshire. And um, I've got two businesses. The first one's called Echo, which is spelled E-Q-C-O. People kind of stumble over the pronunciation, which is probably a massive mistake on my part. Um, I get Echo and Echo and all kinds of curious pronunciations. Um, And that one's been going for, I think, about seven or eight years now. Um, And so that's designing the kind of like elevator pitch is uh, designing, making and selling customized textile products for horses and horse riders um so it's the kind of the most popular products are uh exercise sheets quarter sheets predominantly um i do waterproof versions and my does it all one which is similar to uh, a, a big name brand competitor uh so it's a kind of um warm fancy looking non-waterproof quarter sheet which has a sandwich layer in the middle which um actively draws moisture away from the horse um and loads of high-vis products as well and then riding skirts for riders which uh how long have i been doing them a couple of years they're really popular um and when you go on the website you kind of build the product to work for you and your horse um so you can choose the weight of the outer fabric the weight of the lining um you can choose your your body color your binding color if you want any reflective strips um and so on loads and loads of customization so the products are designed to work exactly the way you want them and to fit you and your horse really well uh so that's the first business <laughs> and then the second business I'm already running out of steam slightly um the second <laughs> business is called ZB Textiles and that is a B2B so business to business um setup making manufacturing other brands products for them textile products so we're doing lots of um, sweatshirts, T-shirts, base layers. Um, we're developing some really great riding tights, riding leggings. Um, I've got a quite sort of um, esoteric selection of clients. I've got a Pilates brand. Um, we were making some sort of occasion dresses last year. Um, and I've got some horsey clients there as well. So if anybody is looking to launch a brand and have their stuff made in the UK, get in touch. <laughs> Oh, amazing. And um, oh God, now I've got so many questions to ask. So <laughs> with your um the first business that you talked about, um, and you were talking about like those like almost bespoke um rugs and stuff like that, it's it's great. Um it's a great idea because I don't think or I don't know hardly any brands that do that. Normally they're sort of already made with the sizes, with the weight already put in there, where by the sounds of it, you can kind of almost tailor make it to whatever the client wants. Yeah, exactly. That's why I started the business, because as a consumer, I always have an idea. I'm a complete shopaholic and I always have an idea in my mind about what I want to buy. And so then I go on to whichever website. I'm like, great, I'm going to find 
you know, um, a neon pink quarter sheet with uh, yellow binding in the size and this kind of saddle cutout and these sorts of straps. And lo and behold, there's nothing there. So I thought uh -huh. this is the situation I'm finding myself in. Then there must be other people with the same problems. So I'll start a business and start making them. So that's exactly because, of course, like humans, horses don't come in standard sizes. And yeah what businesses do people, businesses have to to sort of achieve economies of scale you have to do things in standard sizes so that you can get the numbers up and so that's why people perceive my prices to be expensive but when you're making things once you don't get any economies of scale you can't you can't get a production line together you can't sort of batch up 50 products and push them through the machines you have to do everything individually to that customer specification so it takes a lot longer to make those products yeah and that was actually going to be my next question so like from say when the cut the customer places an order like generally how long does that take for the um items to sort of be made and custom made and then shipped out so it depends on how many orders are in at the time um generally speaking it's sort of two to four weeks there's an option to pay a rush fee but it depends on which materials i need if i've got them in stock because I quite often have to order materials in to um, to complete the customer's order. And obviously with the raw mail strikes and everything before Christmas, <laughs> yeah. and I have loads of issues with my sickness and staff sickness. So things can get delayed. Um, and Christmas is the busiest time of year and, and there tends to be sort of more demand in the colder weather. And whenever I always kind of, whenever there's a ton of rain, I always get a surge in orders for waterproof riding skirts and yeah. um, waterproof <laughs> Um So yeah, I always do every order in the sequence that it comes in so that it's fair to everybody. But if somebody orders, um, you know, four exercise sheets and six riding skirt, that order's going to take a lot longer to make than somebody who's just ordering a pair of fluffy rain covers. So um, yeah, we try and get everything done as quickly as possible, but um but we have to try and sort of do it fairly. But typically it's kind of two to three weeks. Yeah, which I think is quite a fair, in, in normal circumstances, that's quite a fair um, turnaround, especially when it's like custom made and bespoke and stuff. And um, with your, could you tell yeah, us more about hard. like your riding, could you tell us more about your riding skirts? Um, yep, so they're a pattern that my pattern maker and I developed a few years ago um so the outer fabric is a four ounce 100 gram waterproof fabric um there are two panels which cross over at the front and the back they do up at the front with um a velcro tab across the waistband they've got an elasticated waist so you can kind of layer up or layer down you can wear them over your coat or sweater or underneath whatever works best for you um they they're designed to keep your saddle warm and dry uh clean and dry as well um obviously everybody has really expensive saddles these days or lots of people do yeah. so they want to protect their saddles and um they have two elasticated web stra uh, leg straps on each side um which fasten behind the leg um there's one kind of like ankle height and one sort of calf height uh and when people order them i ask them for their their dress size and their height and so I do from a sort of size six up to a size 20. Um, and there's always loads of adjustability in them. The Velcro at the front, there's that's six inches long, that piece. And then the elastic in the waistband as well, that gives lots of room too. So they're designed to be um, as helpful as possible. Yeah, and I guess it's um, it gives the, the rider much more um, movement in their riding because obviously waterproofs can be quite, restricting when they're moving like the trousers and stuff but with a skirt you're going to have much more movement around I can imagine 
Um, yeah, yeah. And I think that there are some other people who do riding skirts, which it's kind of a, a, an exercise sheet and a riding skirt all in one. And a couple of people have asked me about that, but I, I don't think they work so well because you've got so much fabric going on then. And the point with mine is that you have the riding skirt and the exercise sheet separately. So then you can kind of take them off independently of each other and you don't have yeah. to use them both at the same time. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, they're quite roomy. There's a lot of fabric in them, um, to cover the whole of the saddle and let you lean forward and dismount easily. Um, yeah, they're, they're good. They're a really good selling product. People seem to like them. Yeah. And like, again, is it something where clients can kind of pick and choose, um, like fabrics and stuff like that, or is it sort of already pre-made and you just sort of adjust to sizes and stuff? Uh, note they're all made individually to order so you can choose the um the body color for the fabric and the binding color quite a lot of people want uh reflective strips sewn onto them uh you can even have them embroidered or have vinyl put on them and um yeah so it, they're all made individually for each order excellent oh, sorry, um, I, sorry i've got to mention the lining weight sorry sorry um yeah so the idea is that you, you can have um a different weight of lining for all year round so there are three options actually no four options so the lightest weight one is a mesh lining so that's kind of if you're quite a hot person or just for riding in the summer and you just want to keep the rain off um the next one up it's um a lightweight lining it's a poly cotton mix um so that's kind of the most year round one obviously everybody's kind of a bit budget conscious with the cost yeah. of living crisis so if you, um, if like most people, you can just afford one, then that's the most popular choice. And then um, if you only wanted one in the winter or you're quite a cold person, you might get a fleece lining and there's even a, a double fleece lining as well. Um, so yeah, loads of different options depending on how hot or cold you get and the time of year. Oh, excellent. And yeah, that just gives the client much more variety as well doesn't it and um, can they can can they sort of add that um so say if they went for like the lightweight one could they then add um the extra light padding if for the colder winters or is it all pre-done in one as per skirt so you'd have to have a separate like lightweight skirt to like a heavier skirt um at the moment they're just as they are i I am kind of working on for both exercise sheets and the riding skirts, sort of removable liners, but they're really complicated to do and they're going to push the labor cost up a lot yeah. because yeah. Um, because the, the lining and the outer, they're bound together and they're sewn into the waistband. So to add another layer, it's quite complicated to work out how to do that. So it's it's kind of work in progress, um, but it's, it's not really financially viable at the moment. But um, yeah, something that's going on in the background. Oh, that's exciting. And... Um... <laughs> And um, and obviously you've mentioned that um, they're sort of made in the UK. Can you just tell us like a little bit more about that? Like, obviously, I imagine it was quite important for you for it to be made in the UK. Like, how did you go about finding the right supplier for you and things like that? So my staff and I make everything ourselves. Um, and I started out with it just being me. I uh, <laughs> It's so funny when I started the business up, I kind of just completely naively um, went to, I found this industrial sewing machine um, supplier and I went to them and I went, right, I'm going to buy one sewing machine and I'm going to make every horsey product there is under the sun. And they just laughed me out of the shop. So I think <laughs> I've got more than 20 machines now because all the machines are ridiculously specialized. So they each do one job. Um, so I think for the, the riding says and the most of the court sheets, well, they typically use four or five machines 
um, to make each skirt. So I have all the machines. I've invested heavily in them. Um, and yeah, it's it's me and the people who work for me who make everything. Wow, that's amazing. And <laughs> it, with your um, fabrics and stuff, again, do you try and get it like as much as you can from the UK as well? Or I imagine there might be some that you might have to import, but is it important to try and get as much from the UK as possible? I feel absolutely passionately about um, products being made in the UK. It's a really, really important thing. We can maybe talk about that a bit more in a minute. So, yeah, uh, yeah definitely. I don't think I've bought anything from outside the UK for a few years. Um, I'm trying to wrap my brain to remember the last time I bought something from another country. Um, I think a few years ago, I bought some gold fabric from China. And that's kind of to use for yeah. pipings on um, on bridal bags and saddle covers. And everything else is, is bought from the UK. And um, my does it all fabric, the exercise sheet, the cord sheet that has the the polypropylene sandwich layer in the middle which draws the moisture away from the the horse's skin i even have that fabric made specifically for me so that's unique to me and that's made in the uk as well oh and i think a lot of people um like you are much more conscious about where they they're buying their clothes from and i think there's a lot more support for small businesses and having it as a, a british made um, item and things like that I think much more people are looking into the being more sustainable with their clothing and trying not to go you know not use fast fashion and things like that and have sort of um, quality pieces that they can use over and over again instead of just having things that just fall apart within a couple of washes yeah it's a subject that I could talk about for hours it's <laughs> um there's there's so little education about it because manufacturing in the UK must used to be a much bigger thing than it is now and in the 80s and 90s lots of the big fashion houses they moved everything to China, so China, Vietnam, Cambodia, also Bangladesh and Pakistan and the skill set in the UK has just been absolutely annihilated. There are so few people left who know how to sew properly and who have the right skills and so few companies in the UK who can make these products like I've been trying for months if not years to find some silicon to make riding tights to put on um on riding tights for sticky seats and there's just nobody in the UK who doesn't like maybe there are a couple of companies who own their own machines but there's just there's nobody there and getting stuff quilted people are always asking me about saddle pads and I think there are two commercial quilters left in the UK and their machines are so old that the designs they use are really really basic you know compared with the likes of whatever um ps sweden where they have kind of their logo quilted in you just can't do that in the uk um yeah. the technology exists and we're losing all these really really valuable skills uh, and all the money from that you know would ideally be kept in this country is going abroad and you can't you can't keep track of what people are doing in in places like pakistan and bangladesh and china and they you know you read every day all these awful stories about child labor and yeah. Um, abusive staff in factories and how they're like all the wastage and the air miles and everything it's it's just awful and people don't really I'm guilty of this as well you know you you want to buy something and you buy it and you don't really think about where it's come from but yeah. when you look into it there are some really scary things going on out there and I really wish people would um would yeah I wish there was more of a kind of education drive from other brands and people could kind of find out more about it and realize the importance of supporting small British businesses yeah 100% and a lot for me personally I 
um, I, I'm a huge supporter for small businesses, especially like British small businesses. And, um, you know, I will use sort of like my platform, like this podcast or my social medias and stuff just to promote and just sort of bring awareness to um, small British businesses, because I think it is so important. And I think a lot more people are realising it and being more conscious about um who they're buying from and having that and you just want that sort of almost like a bit of a background story about where that product come from and the person that made that product and designed it and why they wanted to do it and I think then people are getting the story um you know with the with the product that they're buying and I think a lot more people are starting to go down that route and not just buy you know 80 quids worth from a high street shop um and yeah and buy quality quality stuff from small businesses and I think the pandemic helped with that as well yeah it did it really sort of focused the attention on stuff that's made close to home but there are so many devious um tactics going on out there like this greenwashing exercise where loads of brands they'll sort of say designed in the UK but actually the stuff's still being made in China and Pakistan yeah or that say made in the UK but what actually happens is they get 99.9% of the product made in the Far East and that comes back and they'll just sew the label in and then they say that it's made in the UK so people mm. really need to twist their brands about it and push for more transparency mm. yeah 100% and so with that with your other business that you talked about um can you um tell us more about how that came about because obviously you must have been busy enough with your other business and now you're at um start you know created another one so can you tell us more about that yeah sure so I seem to have amassed all of these machines um <laughs> a bit of a shopaholic for machines I love them and um yeah and I had all these machines and obviously because it's still a small business a lot of the time they're sort of <laughs> they're not being used I don't have rows and rows of people sitting here it's just a couple of us most of the time and um and I just kept on seeing more and more um, posts on social media and more kind of talk in the industry amongst my contacts about people wanting their stuff made in the UK and I thought oh my god I've got all these machines I should just you know help people out and there's yeah. a clear gap in the market here so um um so yeah that's how that came about and so um so you is it where um people if they just like um wanted a branded hoodie or a branded jacket or something like that is that something that you you provide um, not so much. So I'm making the garments from scratch. Oh, okay. Uh, so uh, there are other companies who sort of personalise pre-made garments, but my, um, the, what the said to be textiles business is doing, it's um, working with brands. And so sometimes they'll already have existing designs and patterns that they, um, that they'll kind of like, they'll send the fabric to me and all the trimmings and everything. And they'll have the designs and the tech packs um and so then we'll just do the labor and then there are other companies I work with who they're starting completely from scratch they don't have any designs they haven't sourced the fabrics um they haven't got sort of size charts or labels or anything and then I'll work with them and, and handle the whole process oh brilliant and again it then just sort of continues um the production line from like the cust the, the brand that wants to provide these products and then coming to you and keeping it British and made in Britain and knowing where all the fabrics you know the the um quality control and the chain of production you know where it's sourced from right from the very very beginning which again just sort of adds that um 
uh, what's the word, like reassurance for the customer of knowing exactly where their products come from? Yeah, it's a great thing because I weekly have conversations with people who want to move their stuff to the UK. And I just hear so many horror stories. I was talking to a lady last week who's been getting her products made in China for the last eight years. And obviously COVID's absolutely rife in China at the moment. And her yeah. factory's just totally shut down and they've decided not to start up again. And so they've got all of her patterns, all of her fabric, and she's just stuck. She's got nothing. She can't just, you know, jump in the car and go and see them. And and there's there are kind of communication issues. And she's, yeah, she's really, really stressing because she doesn't know how to get her products to her customers. It's awful. Oh, that must be so stressful. I can't imagine how stressful that must be for someone to have your, like, product, you know, have a, a regular um source of your products and all of a sudden it's just stopped and then you you've got to find an alternative to keep your business going it must be so stressful yeah for sure um people like one of my clients is only 15 minutes away from me and so she'll just come in and we'll talk about um we're developing this new product together and so we'll come in and look at some sort of fabric samples and we'll talk about the designs and then I'll knock up the next sample and go and drop it off to her and it's just it's such a brilliant way of working it's much quicker um and you can do things in small runs and sampling is so much easier because sampling can take months if you're doing something that's a bit niche mm. uh, so yeah even just yeah just being able to get in the car or jump on the train and, and go and see the factory and talk to the people um it's a really great thing yeah and do you in your opinion do you think like um do, do you think like say the fashion or clothing industry do you think it has changed since like especially from like the pandemic and stuff like that but do you think it has changed where um where the consumer is definitely willing to pay that bit extra knowing where it's come from and stuff like that or do you still feel like there's a um I don't know like a, a, a split where people still just want to buy cheap 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 and don't really care where it comes from uh, I think both customers exist in the market. I think there's always going to be demand for rack and high, sell them cheap, buy buy cheap, buy twice kind of products, you know, supermarket products because people are really cash strapped. And so, of course, that makes sense. Mm. Um, uh, but they're definitely, I have this conversation with um, potential customers all the time. Brands are terrified about putting their prices up because they're worried they're going to lose customers. But mm. there's absolutely money out there Um people will spend and they'll just buy less often but then if they're buying something that's a better quality product that they've got more faith in then they won't need to buy it again so it's in their interest as well to get something that's more durable with more longevity that's a greener more eco-friendly product that's been made in the UK so absolutely people will spend the money on something that sort of ticks more boxes um, so yeah I think both customers exist in the marketplace and I'm a marketer by trade I used to work in retail marketing that's my background and it's all down to your marketing as a brand. Like yeah. there's totally, people will dig deep and they will buy stuff, but you have to help educate them about why your products are so good and yeah. tell them why it's important. And then, you know, you have to give them that information in order for them to make informed choices. Yeah. I mean, I know from, like, say, my personal experience where I've bought from um, a small business um, brand that are... Um, into sustainability and you know making sure that the products are made in the UK and things like that and I have found that even yes it costs a bit more so say for like a like a, a hoodie it would cost say 55 pounds which to some people 55 pounds for a hoodie sounds quite expensive and um, where you could probably go to Primark and pick it up for eight pound or something like that but 
I'm I wear them like all the time I'm out in the elements I'm washing them all the time and the quality just doesn't reduce like the, it still stays in shape you don't get any of the bobbling of the fabric um and it you know and I've probably got more wears out of that than if I had got a cheaper one from a high street somewhere um so yes it's it could be a bit of an investment but the longevity of it lasts much more yeah, and you've got a, a clearer conscience as well when you wear it. So there's yeah. a lot of value in that. Absolutely. Um, and I kind of like at this sort of part of the podcast, I kind of offer the space um, for you to talk about literally, I mean, obviously we've talked about like, um, you know, UK manufacturing and things like that. But um, I offer this space to all my guests where they can literally talk about anything they want. So if you feel like we haven't cu covered something that you really want to talk about, um, anything that you're really passionate about, if you've got any promotions, literally this is your open space to talk about anything that you want to talk about. Okay, cool. Um, one thing I haven't mentioned, which has been kind of at the back of my mind when we've been talking, is one of the suppliers I work with. Um, so I, I'm not sure if people are aware. So lots of the fabric that I buy from UK companies, it I they're the companies I purchase from there in the UK. But unfortunately, the fabric is made abroad because they're just there isn't anyone in the UK to make that fabric anymore. Yeah. But I do have another supplier I work with who um, they're based in the Midlands and they make all their own fabric. And it's absolutely amazing. It's such beautiful quality. It's fantastic. They're a small family run business. Their knowledge of the textile industry is just incredible. It's husband, wife and daughter who work there together with their other staff. And they're just such a delight to work with. They're really, really eco-conscious um they try and do everything as sustainably as possible and yeah the, the quality of their fabric is just second to none they use organic yarns wherever they can and it's just beautiful so the um I try to kind of push their products when I'm making t-shirts and base layers and hoodies and the riding types we're working with on they're all from that company and um yeah that it's it's just wonderful I'm so pleased to have found them Oh, that's amazing. And like you say, it, it's supporting another small business and you you know where the fabric's coming from, you know how it's made. And I really do hope like in, say, like 10 years time or something like that, there is sort of, um, a, you know, the industry of like textiles and, and um, the fashion does become much more British and much more British made. Um, and, and I feel like we might be heading in the right direction to kind of get back to where we were, say, like 30, 40 years ago. Yeah, I hope so. I, the demand is definitely there, but it's it's tricky because where brands want to have their stuff made in the UK, they often aren't the facilities to do that. Mm -hmm. um, or because they're scared to put their prices up, they can't afford the costs because UK labour costs are so much higher than abroad. I've got you know, if I get freelance machinists, sometimes they're 35 pounds an hour. It's, it's a lot of money mm. and people look at a t-shirt and they just, people don't really know how long it takes to make something. They'll glance at a product and they won't really think about it. And they might think, oh, I don't know, five minutes. Off you go. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. yeah, customers won't really think about how long it, it takes to make a product and they won't necessarily see the value. And so for a, a t-shirt, whatever, they might think, oh, I don't know, that's a five minute job, but actually it isn't because you have to use three different machines, quite a lot of different techniques. And um, yeah, and and I pay all of my staff well over national 
um, national living wage. So yeah. that's that's where the costs come in. It's not sort of lining fat cats profits, it's pockets, it's it's doing things fairly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, thank you so much. I, I think I could literally talk to you for hours and hours. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I sort of round each podcast with some just fun, quick fire questions. So generally, are you a night in or a night out person? Oh, God, definitely night in. I haven't got any in. <laughs> <Right. laughs> I've yet to find someone who wants to go out. Everyone wants to stay in. <laughs> um, tea or coffee? Uh, neither. I don't drink either of them uh wellies or hills mm, wellies but i seem to pretty much live in trainers these days yeah um sweet or savory savory uh book or film oh i watch way too much tv i'm trying to read more <laughs> so i'm gonna say book <laughs> is there any like books that you would you're reading at the minute or any books that you recommend that people should read uh so i can't even remember it's some what's he's um belgian the guy it's a world war ii book um it's called will so i've just started on that um and then i just got into motorbike riding and i read um elspeth beard's book she rode um her bmw motorbike around the world when she was about 20 or something i think in the 70s and it's just oh my god it's such an amazing story uh it's really really motivational I always seem to have about six books on the go but um kind of dip in and out of them and lose interest so <laughs> yeah, oh. I'm not the best person to ask <laughs> but that sounds really cool actually that sounds really interesting and yeah good for her good old uh you need sometimes you need like a, a woman inspirational book just to give you a bit of a lift don't you that anything's possible oh, yeah 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 <laughs> um okay and lastly where can people find um your uh your businesses like social media websites like where can we find you uh so the echo website that's the business selling directly to customers that's www.eqco.co.uk and then the manufacturing business is um zvtextiles.com so z for zulu v for victor textiles.com and are you on any social medias or is it just the websites are the best way to get in touch? Um, so Echo is uh, Facebook and Instagram. I've got no idea what the handles are I'm using <laughs> social media. <laughs> and ZB Textiles is, I think there's a Facebook page. I haven't done anything with it, but um, yeah, there's Instagram as well. Um, sorry, I should be way better at this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> And I wanted to quickly ask you about the name Echo. Like, how did that wording come about? Like, spelt differently to how people think it's spelled. Um, so there are two reasons. Um, so the kind of the obvious thing is like Equine Company. But um, another thing, when I started the business and all my youthful naivety, um, I did a digital pattern design course at the uh, Chelsea College of Art, thinking that I was going to design my own fabrics and prints and things and make beautiful matching um fabrics for all the products which never happened because it's way too expensive and way too complicated and so there was a thing with the digital patterns like a repeating pattern so it's like an echo it's a bit whatever <laughs> I love it and it's just it's memorable as well people will remember that because they're like I remember that it's not spelt how it sounds or how it reads and <laughs> I can't pronounce it yeah yeah <laughs> 
Well, thank you so much for coming on. I've learned so much. And like I said, I could speak to you for about another hour or so, but like, <laughs> I really appreciate you like telling us about your businesses, you know, telling us more about uh, what it's like in the fashion and textile industry um, and just, you know, giving us much more awareness. So thank you so much for that. Thank you. It's been great fun. Um, and as always, guys, if you love this episode, if you can screenshot and share, um, tag us in to let us know you're listening. We'd love to know. And I'll speak to you all on the next episode. If you listen to this episode, I really hope you enjoyed it as I did making it. If you um, like to follow me on socials, my um, Instagram is Cobbs Equine Services and the same on Facebook, Cobbs Equine Services. Um, if you are listening to this on your um, Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast, I really appreciate it if you could leave me a review as it gets um, other people to highlight the um, episodes to other people. And I will speak to you all on the next episode.